0: Set on Midland. This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Myth. You've waited patiently all day. Oh, wait. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. But Great Lakes Bay region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school. Whizzling inside with the two hand flush. To college. Just wait until March, bro. To the pros. She's dating a buffoon. Cover everything a Michigan sports fan could watch. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's, it's the, the payoff.
1: What's going on, Great Lakes Bay Region? Ben Bosher here on the payoff on 100.9 The Mitts. Ready to get you through your Tuesday. Let's set the table real quick with a few things. The Tigers, off to spring training camp, or to spring training. Uh, Catchers and pitchers report tomorrow, but we've already got a few guys there. Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, Casey Mize, top prospect Max Clark. They're all down in Florida, ready to go, all already reported. Like I said, pitchers and catchers, official first report is tomorrow. Monday, first full team workout. It appears most of the Tigers are already there. Plus 350 to win the AL Central. Only the Twins have better odds. I'm feeling optimistic about the Tigers this year. Uh, just 44 days away from the first Tigers game, 52 days away from the Loons opening day. Shout out to all the season ticket holders in the building tonight. Yep, we're coming from you live from the Blazy Electric Studio here at Dow Diamond. What's going on, everybody out there? Red Wings. While we continue to set the table, 1-0 and since the All-Star break, defeated the Canucks in overtime on Saturday in Detroit. Listen, the Canucks aren't just a playoff team. They're the team with the most points in all of hockey at 76. That's who the Red Wings beat last Saturday. Tonight, they're facing off against Edmonton. The Oilers tonight taking on Connor Bedard. Listen, the Red Wings are trying to do something that they haven't done in nearly a decade this season. Both Detroit and Toronto right now sit at 60 points, taking up both wildcard spots in the East. They have a four-point lead over the Devils and the Islanders for those wildcard spots, and they're just one point away from catching Tampa Bay, who's sitting at 61 points for the one of the top three spots in the Atlantic Division, which is an automatic playoff bid. The Wings haven't made the playoffs in seven years. It's been 11 years since they have won a playoff series. Now they're looking to do that tonight uh, not win the playoff series, but assure themselves a better opportunity to make those playoffs tonight. Pistons. I mean, I could talk about the Pistons for a full hour, two and one in the last three games, four and six in the last 10. It's probably just as many people as that actually care about that team in this town. So we'll move on. They're taking on the Lakers tonight on the road in LA at 1030. And then of course at 650 today, right here on our airwaves, 100.9, the mitt. John Vicari's on the call from Mount Pleasant, who's 10 and 8, taking on Arthur Hill, boys basketball, 11 and 4. It's going to be a great day. But until then, now that the table is set, let's start to eat a little bit. Let's start to get into the main dish of today, which is, of course, the Detroit Lions. Now that the season is officially wrapped up, not just the Lions season, but everybody's season. We're officially in the offseason. And you know what they say about football. We're never in the offseason. There's always something going on. Right now, it's people making mock drafts, trying to figure out which free agents are going to be signed, doing fake trades. It's the whole song and dance. But what we do know is, on Sunday, 123 million people. By the way, that shattered the Super Bowl record from last season. 123 million people watched Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers just play some uninspiring football in overtime. Decisions were made whether or not they were the right ones or the wrong ones was debated yesterday on the payoff. You guys can go listen to that wherever you get your podcast by searching the payoff. But it brings us to a question. What has to happen this offseason for the Lions to be clear-cut considered favorites to win the conference? Now, we can go through the whole song and dance. They have the eighth most cap space in football. They have the fourth youngest team in football. They have all seven of their draft picks. Credit to Brad Holmes on that one. This top five offense from the last two seasons should realistically only lose one to two starters max. Josh Reynolds, Jonah Jackson, Graham Glasgow, those are your potential free agents. Or th- those are your free agents this offseason. I don't expect to lose more than one of those guys at most. Now there's a chance you bring back all three. The chance of you losing all three, very low if you ask me, very low. So you're bringing back almost every starter on offense. Any starter that's not coming back on defense should be considered an upgrade. That should be a good thing. There's not a ton of guys that, the only person you can really look at on this team and say, if we lose, that might be a problem, is C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Everyone else is under contract. And whether or not you even want C.J. Gardner-Johnson back is an entirely different conversation. I'm not going to lose sleep if they don't offer him this giant contract and he seeks it elsewhere. That's fine. But if you're willing to take a a smaller deal and and take on less of a role, well, then, yeah, let's take C.J. Gardner-Johnson back. He's a good player. You're not losing anyone crazy important on defense. You shouldn't really be losing more than one to two starters max on offense. So why aren't the Lions favorites to win the conference? This is a team that had a 17-point lead on the 49ers before it happened. Don't want to get into the details on that because that opens up a whole can of worms for a lot of different people. But if you go look at the odds right now, for next season, the 49ers are considered heavy favorites to win the entire league. At plus 500, they are Super Bowl favorites. The Chiefs are right behind that. Ravens next and the next best NFC team the Detroit Lions at plus 1,200. Now, it should be noted that in the past seven seasons, only two teams, let, re- let me repeat, over only two teams had to have longer preseason odds and went on to win the Super Bowl. That was the Rams in 2020 before they made all those crazy trades, and it was the Eagles at plus 4,000 the year they went to the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Nobody saw that one coming. Now, let's just be clear about a couple things. There's no doubt starting week one next year, the Lions are walking in as one of the better teams in the NFL, which is something we haven't experienced since the 90s. It's no longer a question of, are the Lions a true contender or not? Yeah, they are. It's, are they the favorite or not? Are you walking in next year? I mean, the Lions fans here in Michigan are obviously expecting to be in the Super Bowl next season. That's now the bar. Anything beyond that, anything short of that, I should say, would be a disappointment. But how does the rest of the NFL view us? Well, if you look at these odds, they'd say Lions are going to be in the NFC Championship again. Rightfully so. But there's a pretty good argument to be made that the Lions should be favored. And I get it. The Niners were just in the Super Bowl. They just defeated the Lions in the NFC Championship. So if you want to sit here and say, no, 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 no. The 49ers are clear-cut favorites to win the NFC with that roster. I'm not going to be mad at you. I won't blame you because right now, just a couple days removed from the Super Bowl, it's probably the right move. But these odds don't take into consideration offseason movement. They'll shift. They'll move. There's no doubt about that. By the time the season starts week one, these odds will be completely different. And if we're going to predict those changes... I think there's a pretty good argument that today, right now, the Lions walk into week one as the favorites to win the NFC. What has to happen for the Lions to be considered clear-cut favorites in the NFC? What has to happen this offseason? Well, a lot of people will point to the obvious. You got to get a cornerback. Absolutely. You have to get another edge rusher. You have to help out Aiden Hutchinson. No doubt about it. But I'm almost willing to go as far as you don't even have to address those main problems. Yes, you do have to address those problems, to be clear. But you might be able to get away with a few other things, and you should be favorites based on what's about to happen with San Francisco. Because you look at San Francisco's team, the team that they've put together, they don't have the money that the Lions do. They don't have the youth that the Lions do. They're old. Their time has passed. They missed their window. They're about to lose a lot of guys to free agency, and maybe not some of the top-tier talent on that team, like George Kittle, Debo Samuel. They'll still have their quarterback, obviously. They'll still have Fred Warner. They'll still have Nick Bosa. But they're losing a lot of their depth, which is what made the 49ers so special this year, on top of the fact that they had all these pro bowlers. They were able to rotate these guys in and keep them fresh, which is part of the reason San Francisco was able to stay healthy this year in comparison to years in the past. You're going to lose a bunch of those guys, and you're out of money to re-sign them. Sorry, you spent it all. So if you're going to lose all that depth, doesn't that kind of take away from part of the thing that made you special? Don't by default, you're getting worse if you're San Francisco, whereas you look at this Lions team. You have the eighth most cap space in football. This young team with this young core group of players who are going to continue to develop like we saw over the course of 2023. I think there's a few different things you can say and point to and a few different cases you can make to the fact that, all right, what has to happen over the next three months? What has to happen in the offseason by the time week one rolls around? The Lions are clear-cut favorites, to win the NFC Conference. 989-837-6125. Shout out to everybody in the building today here in the Blazy Electric Studio in Dow Diamond, the season ticket holders. Like I said, just 52 days away from opening day here at Dow Diamond. The lose season will get underway April 5th. It's a Friday. I believe we still have fireworks that day. I could be wrong, but I believe there's a fireworks show. That's what I was told, at least a couple weeks ago. I'm not 100% sure that's that's still going on. Uh, all right, let's have some fun today on a Tuesday afternoon, 6:50. John's gonna have some high school hoops for you. But until then, let's eat up some Lions content while we still can before we really get into the summer and you know the Lions start to go away, the Tigers start to appear. Pistons probably aren't going on a run this year, but who knows? I think the the Wings really do have a chance to be in the postseason this year. We'll see. But until then, what has to happen over the next 3 months? What has to happen over the summer for the Lions to be considered favorites in the NFC odds-wise? To be clear right now, they're second. They have the second shortest odds to win the NFC, only behind San Francisco. They are plus 500, the Lions are plus 1200. What has to happen for that to flip? Let's rock and roll on a Tuesday here on The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy.
0: The Payoff continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay Region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9 The
1: Mint. Welcome back into The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy here on 100.9 The Mint. Listen, today the question is really simple. Right now, as we sit here on February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day, shout out to all the single guys out there. As it stands today, the Lions are the second most favored team to win the NFC at plus 1,200. Only the Niners have shorter odds. What has to happen over the course of the next few months for that to flip? For the Lions to be considered the favorite? Listen, I I was talking to a few different people today. They said, I don't even want the Lions to be favorites. I want to walk into next year as the underdog keep that chip-on-the-shoulder mentality. I'm all for that, but at the same time, if there's a move that significantly raises the interest of gambling, that, that, what do they say? Vegas always wins, right? So if they're the favorites, that means they're doing something right. To me, it's simple. You go get a cornerback, you go get Aiden Hutchinson a friend, you retain your offensive line, and you're the favorites. And if you want to throw a kicker into there, too, by all means, do it. Because the Lions need a new kicker just about more than anything. I'd put it on par with getting a corner, with getting a a buddy for Aiden Hutchinson to line up alongside of him. Maybe maybe Dan Campbell's not as aggressive. Maybe he's not Dan Gamble if they actually have a tr- kicker that they trust. If they can do all those things, I think the Niners will regress naturally. Because... You're going to have to cough up some money to Chase Young, which they probably will unwillingly want to do. You don't have to pay him, but if you don't pay him, you essentially burned a third-round pick and got nothing out of it besides a trip to the Super Bowl and heartbreak. I wouldn't be super, super excited to pay Chase Young based on some of the film that's out there. I mean, you guys can look it up. It's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. A lot of low effort plays out there. A lot of stuff that wouldn't fly in Detroit. You're losing a ton of depth. Juwan Jennings in a different universe. That guy's Super Bowl MVP. Not this one because in this one, Patrick Mahomes did his Patrick Mahomes thing. He's a free agent. Javon Kinlaw's a free agent. Tashawn Gibson, the starting safety, is a free agent. John Feliciano, starting guard. He's a free agent. You can't bring back everyone the way you're handing out $50 million contracts like money grows on trees. You're paying your wide receiver. You're paying your linebacker, tight end, your offensive tackle. You're paying all these guys, which means you don't get to re-sign some of the guys you've drafted that have helped your depth case. That's what made the Niners so special. They could rotate guys in the entire game and they had the depth to continue to push teams up against a wall, even with their backups. You don't get the luxury of that this year. Hell, everyone in Detroit is freaking out about retaining the offensive line. They're losing a guard. Odds of their offensive line being just as good, if not the same? I'd say pretty low. Unless there's a bunch of veterans out there, a bunch of veteran free agents that are looking for a Super Bowl, maybe former Pro Bowlers, that are willing to take pay cuts in order to join a San Francisco team, you just don't have the money to go get anybody this year. And if there's a bunch of vets that want to go take a pay cut to join a contender, is it for a team that just lost a Super Bowl because the head coach had no idea what the overtime rules were? Or if you're a veteran looking for a Super Bowl ring, you know, looking to not necessarily revive your personal career, but go accomplish some things That you never did team-wise. Would you rather go play for Kyle Shanahan or Dan Campbell? I'm asking you as a player. If you're a player. Not necessarily. Not necessarily a guy who's going to sit there in front of the TV. And love the play that just ran. Love the offensive guru that Kyle Shanahan is. But if you're a player. Who's got it right in the head. Which team do you think you'd rather be around? San Francisco who has players Right now, as we speak. Complaining, arguing, fussing up a storm on social media about their usage in the Super Bowl. Yep, that's right. Cryptic messages being sent out by a star wide receiver. How's that for a tease? Would you rather go play for that or in Detroit where the culture has been established? The culture has been set. Which team has a higher standard for character? It's Detroit. And I have a strong suspicion that over the course of the next couple of months, the Lions are going to be able to sign some sneaky, good vets for a very low price because they just want to go see what Dan Campbell and Detroit is all about. This isn't a city that doesn't attract free agents anymore. That was never really a thing in football. Ask Buffalo. People were always willing to go play for Buffalo. They have for the last five years because the team has success. It has nothing to do with the city. And even if it does, by the way, Detroit has grown immensely in the last couple of years. That's no longer a concern. The Lions are now a free agent destination. They have all of their draft picks, they being the Detroit Lions, the San Francisco 49ers, somehow have 11 draft picks, but five of those are day three picks or later. Um, They have an extra fourth round pick I don't know if anybody remembers this extra fourth round pick because the Cowboys just had to have Trey Lance because Trey Lance was worth a fourth round pick. I still blows my mind to this day. Uh, they're out of money. Like I said, 21st in cap space. Brandon Iuke is going from being paid $2 million to $14 million because of this fifth year option on the contract for the team. Brandon Iuke has taken a part of some social media propaganda in the last 24 hours. You gotta love when athletes go on their phone and get on the old Twitter and Instagram and post the black screens with the white message, basically trying to work their way out of their city. Brandon Ayuk on Instagram today. And by the way, the luxury of knowing for a fact this will never happen in Detroit is great. The culture has been established. Nobody like this is ever coming. Brandon Ayuk on Instagram today. Don't forget what got you there. Don't forget what got you there. Interesting. His friend on Instagram posts a very similar message, except he goes into more detail. This is the exact reason why we are leaving San Francisco. Thank you, 49ers, for drafting my brother. We are forever grateful. Why does your all-pro 1,300-yard receiver have three catches in the Super Bowl? Well, to be clear, he had six targets and a penalty, but that didn't make its way into the post. His girlfriend also took a liking to this. This is just mind-blowing. Brandon Ayuk's girlfriend uh, says on Instagram, This might be the last time me and Braylon, who is their son, touch foot in Levi Stadium because we might not be here next season. Listen, I assume Brandon Ayuk's going to be a 49er next season. I'm not going to go as far as say that this right here today means he's not going to be a 49er, that he's up for grabs. Because this happened with Devo Samuel a couple years ago. He made a big offseason stink, and they worked it out. But nonetheless, it's just not a good look. That garbage does not fly in Detroit. It just doesn't. If you're Christian McCaffrey, I mean, for as great as a season he's had, I just don't think that's sustainable. I think this was an anomaly that he was able to stay healthy today. If he has another 339 touches next year, which led the league, even despite missing a game, he does that again next year, I seriously doubt he makes it to January in one piece. It's just a matter of fact. You go into next season in the way-too-early power rankings right now. The Athletic, ESPN, Yahoo, NFL, Bleacher Report, Fox. I looked at six different power rankings. Heading into next season. The Lions are top five in all of them. There are three or four in every single one. You're walking into next season as a Super Bowl contender. It's just a matter of fact if you are the favorites to win it all or not. And I think the Lions can do a few things over the course of the offseason that will flip them in San Francisco to where the Lions will be the favorites to win the NFC and San Francisco will be the bottom, not the bottom dwellers, but a team that's trying to climb the mountain. Because to me, these teams are equal. I don't think San Francisco is significantly better than Detroit. They're going to get worse over the course of the offseason. I think the Lions are going to get better as long as they retain their offensive line, bring a new corner in the building, and find Aiden Hutchinson some help, which all seem like things that are going to happen. They're not big ifs. They're not if the Lions address the cornerback room. No, they're going to at some point. Whether it's an established guy in free agency, which again, Brad Holmes has kind of put off to the side, or at least he's suggested that they're going to put it off to the side, they're going to spend some money in free agency. It's not like they're not going to sign a free agent. And if you don't draft a corner, or if you don't sign a corner, you're drafting one. Same thing, vice versa, with the edge position. You're bringing in new guys. You have to find a new kicker. And if you just check those boxes off, I think you get better than San Francisco over the offseason. And again, finding a new kicker is equally as important as all those other things. Said only the Detroit Lions ever. Chris Jones, LeJarrius Sneed, those are a couple guys on Kansas City that are potential free agents. I highly doubt they're able to pay both of them. I think either of those guys signing in Detroit would flip those odds and project the Detroit Lions to be the favorites coming out of the NFC Conference. I mean, there's a lot they can do. They can make a trade. I know there's probably people out there listening, get a new quarterback. Sure, I guess that could, in fact, boost their odds if they got Lamar Jackson, if we want to play that game. But let's, let's be realistic for a second. You draft a corner, you sign Brian Burns. Are you the favorites to beat San Francisco? I think you are. I really do think you are. And there's a few other teams you obviously have to look out for. Uh, Even in the division, I think everybody got a little bit better. The Packers, what they are building right now, they're one of the few younger teams uh, in the NFL. Jordan Love looks like a great quarterback. The Bears, whatever they do with that draft pick, the first overall pick, there was a report that came out just a few minutes ago that was, they're going to be expecting, if they do move out of that draft pick, out of that first overall pick, an historic package to move back. So you're going to have to offer the biggest trade package in NFL history to go to get that number one pick. There is teams that are getting better in the NFC, and I think the Lions are still in that group. They still have ways to go. Jameer Gibbs is going to get better. Sam Laporta is going to get better. Penay Sewell, if it's even possible, is still going to get better. Brian Branch. They have all this young talent. And they even have guys who are still coming along. I mean, you look at last year. Ife Derek Barnes. Those are guys that were drafted a few years ago who really started to develop and show it this season. It takes a few years, guys. And I think the line, uh, it's going to happen. It has to happen. 989 837 6125. What do you think has to happen over the course of the next couple of months for the Lions to be true number one contenders in the NFC Conference? 989 837 6125. We'll get to the Frick Sports Bar text line in just a little bit. I also want to give some Lions season awards. Now that we're done with the NFL season, that's next on the payoff fueled by Forward Energy.
0: Back to the payoff on the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9, the MIT. 989 837
1: 9, 8, 6125. What would have to happen over the next couple of months for the Lions to be favorites in the NFC? One thing I completely forgot to, uh, forgot to mention that definitely shouldn't go. Unnoticed is the fact that they already brought back Ben Johnson. That was like priority number one this offseason, and they've already checked that box. Priority number two and three have to be, well, two, three, and four. Resign your offensive linemen. Retain your offensive line, I should say. Draft a corner and get a friend for Aiden Hutchinson. You do all those things. Check all those boxes. And I'm pretty sure you're flipping odds with the Niners. And you're walking into week one as the favorites to win the NFC. 989 837 6125. Before we get to Lions' season awards, we do have some breaking news. The Detroit Lions have signed former defensive player of the year in the Canadian Football League, Matthew Betts. Uh, Matthew with an IU at the end of it. Listen, I know that was a bit of a, a, a joke there, but hey, you got to respect the fact that they're this early on into the offseason, at least trying to make a move. And this isn't just some no-name guy from the Canadian Football League. This was the defensive player of the year, the most outstanding defensive player of the Canadian Football League last year who had 18 sacks in 18 games for the BC Lions, the British Columbia Lions, who have transferred their dude, their lion, to us in the city of Detroit. 18 sacks in 18 games is nothing to scoff at, by the way. I don't care what league you're playing in. I mean, that was the whole thing with James Houston in college. James Houston in his first year with the Lions. He's just kept getting sack after sack after sack, and if you went back to college, even though it was HBCU ball, which a lot of people just look down upon in terms of uh, scouting, He was racking up the sacks every single time he stepped on the floor. So it doesn't matter where the sacks are coming from. I don't think he's going to get 18 sacks in the NFL next year by any means. Do I even think this guy's going to start next to Aiden Hutchinson? I don't know. Maybe. But you're losing Charles Harris. You're losing Julian and Romeo Okwara. You took a swing on somebody. There was some sort of urgency to get this guy in the building. So, shout out the Detroit Lions. Uh, This guy... Matthew Betts went undrafted in 2019, signed with the Bears, got waived, and then made some noise in the Canadian Football League. He would not be the first person from the CFL to come over and make some noise on the defensive side of the ball. There you have it. Detroit Lions getting active early on in the offseason. Let's give out some season awards for the Detroit Lions. All right, I got seven for you guys. We'll finish things off with the MVP, but we'll start with the rookie. Rookie of the year, there's a few different options you can go with. Jameer Gibbs, Brian Branch, Sam Laporte. all fantastic over the course of the season. And if you go look at the NFL awards, Jack Campbell somehow got a second place vote for defensive rookie of the year. Uh, sure, man. <laughs> sure. So I guess there's three candidates. Uh, I'm handing it out to Sam LaPorter. He had 82 receptions this year, most by a rookie tight end in NFL history. Didn't miss a single game, which you got to take into consideration. Jameer Gibbs, Brian Branch, both missed two of them. In the playoffs, he had 21 receptions, three away from the record. Obviously, I think he would have gotten that record that Rasheed Rice set for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. If the Lions win that game, I think think it's pretty obvious uh, Sam Laporta would have the record. Zero drops in the postseason, by the way. He was one of two tight ends in the NFL to have a three-touchdown game this year, George Kittle being the other one. Most touchdowns for a tight end over the course of the season, 10. The the next highest was six. I think he's the best tight end in football. If you don't believe me, week 13, week 15 highlights. You'll be on the same page very quickly. Uh, One thing that's not disputable, one of the two best, three best. Second team all pro. George Kittle was first. All right, breakout player of the year. Few different candidates for this one. Derek Barnes, Iffy Mellifon will come to mind. I end up going with Iffy Malafonbu. In week 14 versus the Bears, he went from playing zero snaps the week prior, not one, to playing every single defensive snap in week 14, keeping former captain Tracy Walker on the sidelines for the entire game. It was a big switch for Aaron Glenn, but a, a switch in retrospect, I really respect. It takes a lot of guts to bench a former captain, someone that means as much to the team as Tracy Walker did, a vet who had been here for years and he Malafanu, unproven guy, you had to throw him in to change something up on the defensive side of the ball. And it worked. From that, point, from that point forward in the regular season, he led all DBs and sacks. So do it all safety. It's not the only thing he does. Get to the quarterback. Top five on the team in defensive grade, PFF. Run defense grade. Pass rush and coverage. He does it all. It's part of the reason I'm not all hung up that, Brian, uh, that CJ Garner-Johnson might not be a line next year. Lions have Mel Fambu. Game of the year. I mean, it has to be the Detroit Lions versus the Rams game. It has to be week one of the wild card. First three drives of the game result in a touchdown. First one, 10 plays, 75 yards capped off by Monty Williams. I always do that. Not Monty Williams. Not the Pistons head coach. David Montgomery getting into the end zone. Second drive, five plates. Reynolds catches that 33-yard pass. Everybody forgets how great Reynolds was in the postseason before the NFC Championship game, which I understand. He dropped the ball. He's reliable all season long. Bring him back. Gibbs finished that one off with a 10-yard touchdown draw play up the middle. Sam Laporta banged up knee, scores the third one. Later on in the game, Rams marching down by four. Down just uh, to try to get a field goal they had already picked up six first downs on the drive, and you stuff them. First play, Alex Anzalone stuffs them for a one-yard loss. Stafford, pass to the flats, three yards. Third down, biggest play of the game so so far. Hey, shout out CJ Gardner-Johnson. Goal line fade, Cooper Cup, left side of the end zone. CJ Gardner-Johnson's there to make the play. We all held our breaths that it was pass interference, but it wasn't. And obviously, most important play of the game, of the most important game of the season, Second and nine pass to a St. Brown fresh out of the two minute warning for a first down. If that's not complete, it's 39 and the clock is stopped with 1:57, and the Rams have a timeout. That took some guts from Ben Johnson to call that play moments of the year. I, I, I considered that play, but I had to go with if he interception to clinch the NFC North. The game was on the line. It really did feel like some bad voodoo stuff was about to happen because again, we're the lions. Justin Jefferson had just made one of the best catches that you just have to see to believe. Jaw hits the floor. Third and 27, Mullins had taken a sack the play before, and he just chucks it up to Justin Jefferson in double coverage. He makes a play over Kirby Joseph and Cam Sutton that'll most definitely be on his Hall of Fame induction highlight video in 20 years. The Lions hadn't won the division in 30 years, and it felt like the entire season had been a pipe dream, and eventually we were going to wake up, but... When if he made that interception, it was no longer a dream. It was reality. Defensive player of the year. This one's the, the no-brainer. It's Aiden Hutchinson. Ended the season with 121 pressures. Only Bosa had more, and he had the extra game. He only finished with one more, 122. And for most of the season, he had to deal with a fan base, or at least half the fan base, that was complaining, pressures don't mean anything. Unless you get an actual sack, get home to the quarterback, Pressures don't mean a thing. Well, it turns out guys like Baker Mayfield, like Stafford in the playoffs are in fact affected by pressures. The funniest part was he finished with 12 sacks, including the playoffs, and only six guys finished with more over the course of the season. He's going to be fine, guys, and he's going to turn into an even bigger wrecking crew once he gets some help, which shout out Matthew Betts. He also finished with the fourth best win rate in the NFL, which I also heard people complaining about, so I just wanted to throw it in. Aiden Hutchinson, apologist right here. Uh, Offensive player of the year. This one has to be a St. Brown, right? First team All-Pro in an era of the league where there has never, ever been more talent at the wide receiver position. And yet he gets to say he was one of the three best guys this year, period. Point blank. What more do you want me to say? MVP of the team. Now, this one, you could go in a few different directions, and I think the easy choice would be Jared Goff. I'm not about the easy choices. I want that I want that tough life. I want the uphill battle. I want the grit, the adversity. Uh, so I didn't choose Jared Goff in this one. I chose someone that protects Jared Goff. Penesul. This is my guy, man. I don't really need to read the stats because they're hardly the reason he's winning this award, but I will anyway. Second highest offensive grade, period. PFF wise, 92.8. Only Tyreek Hill had a higher grade. Played the second most snaps of all offensive linemen, including the playoffs. Only Creed Humphrey had more. And he still only finished with one snap despite playing a whole nother game. He doesn't get hurt. He plays every single play. You even line him up for wide receiver a couple times of the year. And he only allowed one sack the entire season. That's Hall of Fame stuff from a guy who turned 23 in the middle of the season. October 9th. Shout out anyone with Panay Sewell's birthday. Highest run block grade amongst all offensive linemen. And to be quite frank, it was not close. He is a dominant one-man wrecking crew. And that doesn't even get into the intangibles of what he brings. Oh, those... Those YouTube videos, the sights and sounds that the Lions put together after games, the pregame speeches he's given out, have me ready to run through a wall on a random Tuesday night at 8.45 p.m. when I'm just sitting in my room. He is an animal. I can't wait to see him go into the Hall of Fame in 20 years. He's that type of player. So to me, he's the MVP of this team. All right, there you have it. Season awards, season's finally wrapped up. 989-837-6125. You guys can jump into the conversation whenever you feel uh, using the Frick Sports Bar text line. We're just a few moments away from Mount Pleasant taking on Arthur Hill Boys Basketball. John Vicari on the, uh, on the call. But first, we got to make some money. Uh, that's on the other side of this. Plus, the most insane thing, the most insane stat line of 2024 so far happened last night. I'll tell you what that is on the other side of this. You're listening to The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy.
0: More at Great Lakes Bay Region's only local sports show. Back to The Payoff.
1: All right, just a few more minutes before we send it out to John for some high school hoops. Got a great one over in Mount Pleasant today. But first, of course, tradition. Let's make some money.
0: Lock of the day. You better lock it up. You lock it up. lock it up. Lock it up.
1: Lock it up. So we're five of our last six. We're on a heater right now. Yesterday, we hit on Giannis's points in the association, hit with like nine minutes left. No sweat. Uh, Today, I wanted to go, well, we are going to the Pistons game. They're in L.A. taking on the Lakers tonight. And I I really wanted to take Simone Simone Fontecchio's over in threes. I would have taken his points. His line's not up. None of his player props are up. I was going to, I hit him the first game he played, they crushed. Like in minutes of him entering the game, he hit two threes, got his 10 points, easy. I'm just going to keep taking it if the lines come out. Maybe they come out sometime between now and 1030. This guy's a walking bucket. He just comes into the game, lets it rip. And it's actually good shots other than Bojan, who, by the way, all the Knicks fans already hate Bojan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. To no one's surprise. Because all they do is just chuck up shots. Simone Fontecchio, he'll put up some quality ones, but it's not going to be my lock of the day because I can't see his odds. They're not listed. So what I'm going to do is go with someone who's celebrating a birthday today. Happy birthday to Jaden Ivy. I'm looking at his threes right now, which is sitting over under two and a half. You can get over at plus 126, so you're getting plus odds on it. Um, in the last five games, He's never attempted less than four threes. In fact, he's attempted seven or more threes three times. And he's hitting at an insane rate right now. I believe he's hitting on 50% of his threes in the last 10 games. Uh, Birthday deactivated his Twitter and Instagram today. He's going zero dark 30. I'm ready to take every Jaden Ivy prop there is. I'm gonna take his threes as my lock two and a half because there is that threat of, oh, you know Anthony Davis down low protecting the rim, which I think Ivy might struggle with a little bit because Ivy doesn't really have any moves down under the basket. It's kind of the secret uh, about Jaden Ivy; he's just pretty explosive and can get around slower guys. Ah, it doesn't really work when there's a Defensive Player of the Year candidate camped out under the basket. So I'll take Jaden Ivy to hit three threes tonight, and that was. Lock of the day.
0: You better lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up.
1: Lock it up. All right. I said yesterday, all right, not yesterday. I said before we went to the last break, uh, the most insane stat line of the entire season happened last night. Victor Wembenyama had a triple double. Keep in mind, this guy is 19 years old. He's a rookie. He had a triple double with blocks. 27 points, 14 rebounds, 10 blocks, and 5 assists in 29 minutes. To put that in perspective, Cade Cunningham's playing 34 minutes a night. He was 10 for 14 from field goal, two for, three, 2 for 4 from 3. He might win defense player of the year. Like, I'm not even just jokingly saying that. He leads the league in blocks and it's not close. This is a generational guy. And I'm still salty to this minute that he is not a Detroit Piston. We had the worst record last year, like six wins. How do we not get this guy? Lottery's dumb. Anyway, let's send it over to John for some high school hoops. Thanks for listening to the payoff. Hope it was worth it.